Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bare Necessities podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Reese. Reese, how are you doing this week? How, how are you sitting on this Dolphins loss? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. It's tough to ever say any loss is a good loss, but I think if you are going to take one, um, one in which the, the quarterback sets an NFL record, um, which for rushing, I know, but still an incredible performance to be able to witness that was was awesome. Um, so I'm definitely definitely happy. I think that the offense certainly has momentum coming out of that Dolphins game. And I think we kind of knew what the defense was going to be. So there wasn't all that many surprises other than the fact that they put up 30 points again. Um, so that was something different for the Chicago Bears. Like we're seeing a, a different team kind of grow in front of our eyes. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, definitely not something we're used to seeing Bears quarterbacks as NFC Player of the Week, which is what Justin Fields was named today, uh, or setting records by any means. Uh, for the most part, it's it's normally setting <laughs> records in a ones. bad yeah in a bad way, yeah. like <laughs> least passing yards of all time in a game, <laughs> something, something like that. Uh, but uh, you know, today I, I decided to uh, crack out a glass of red wine for the episode, and oh. you know, I, I I think that this is a moment in Bears history that we will remember forever when Justin Fields set this record and mostly because it's came after not only a good performance in this game, but multiple good performances in a row. I would say like three or four good perform, really good performances at, in a row, uh, pretty much since the bye week. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to make the declaration right now. Uh, and if this goes wrong, I'm sure nobody will remember, but I, I'm going to declare <laughs> the bears have a franchise quarterback. Oh man. That's a, that's a happy moment right there. A nice big sip for you from that uh, fine red wine. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you're soaking it in. It is something to be uh, to be proud of. You know, it's something at least as a fan to to be able to see what at least the offense has developed into um, over these past few weeks. Now, trust me, like there definitely still is room for improvement. Um, but the fact that there is room for improvement and we are seeing the type of performances from Justin Fields um, that we're seeing is something. And, you know, now what I'm looking forward to is being able to get someone like Chase Claypool, like super involved. I think that they made a good effort at getting the ball in his hands early in the game. And it was obvious that he was going to be not out there on the normal amount of snaps that you'd expect um, for Chase Claypool on this Bears team to be out there. But that was just because he just arrived um, earlier in the week. So, I'm excited to see him kind of get fully included and what that means for Darnell Mooney too. I mean, I was really excited um, to even see him play more out of the slot this past Mm -hmm. week and and make an impact there. Uh, And I think that adding Chase Claypool only frees things up for a player like Darnell Mooney, where not like he was someone that was always needing to be drawing double teams, but as the, the team's clear best wide receiver was certainly getting his fair share of attention. Uh, Now it opens up, um, some of that, some more open space in the in the defense, whether they be playing in zone or, you know, just knowing that he'll be facing that one on one coverage. Yeah, exactly. And I think like for me in general, and I I think I should temper Bears fans' expectations for this year in general, but I don't really expect Claypool to be making meaningful impacts. Um, you know, maybe until very much so down the stretch, maybe not until next year. Uh, I, I think that it is. this is a difficult offense for a wide receiver. I mean, the Shanahan offense is 
notably pretty difficult with how many different checks there are at the line of scrimmage and and very receiver intensive, um, which was a big reason why we went out and got someone like Equinemius St. Brown, who was already in Luke Getze's uh, offense or a similar offense to what Luke Getze was running. Um, so I, I, I want to temper expectations there, but I, I do think that we saw a meaningful impact in the way that Equine or sorry, Chase Claypool was uh, used. I think they, I think they used him in some creative ways, you know, getting the ball to him. Um, I think he would have caught that last pass had there not been pass, you know, blatant pass interference, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think that we are already starting to see like the capabilities of Chase Claypool. And what I really liked about the Claypool uh, signing, and this is, it's kind of weird. Cause I, the, the, and not signing, but trade, but, um, I was actually, when the Claypool trade happened, I was doing a lot of scouting of draft wide receivers and someone that stood out to me that I thought the bears might target was someone like Quentin Johnston, who, uh, out of TCU, who is this like six, four wide receiver, similar build to Claypool, um, little top heavy, which I think is like a, a negative on him. But, uh, one thing that I thought was so good about him is just how, how versatile he is. And with his size, just being that versatile at his size, it just made him a threat on every single play. Like he could block, he could take a, a, a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage. You know, it's not like Brandon Marshall where you, you just want to get him downfield and maybe toss the ball to him. It, this is a, a guy that's quick. He's, you know, he's got twitchy hips um, and he's, he's really able to do it all, which for Quentin Johnson, I was looking at that. I was like, yeah, he fits perfectly for the Shanahan offense, uh, even though he's not the best route runner, like he, just his size alone and his versatility alone is going to draw a lot of attention. And I think we saw that with Chase Claypool in the sense where you can get it to him behind the line of scrimmage and he can make a defender miss and go for 10 yards. Like he did last week. Or if the game's on the line, you could toss it up to him, you know, 30, 40 yards down the field and, and bet he's going to come down with it. And if he doesn't, he's going to draw a PI. And that's exactly what happened there um, on that uh, on that last play. So I, I'm excited for Claypool. Uh, I'm excited should've for... Should have drawn a PI, you know. Yeah, yeah should have. I mean, like, man, I, I mean, I guess we can jump right into that. That was, um, that was brutal and it was tough. But if you're going to lose a game this year and, you know, this year is, you know, in a way, it's going to be a lost season regardless because it's a rebuilding roster. I mean, we wouldn't be trading pieces if we wanted to actually go compete in the playoffs. Um, this could be a moral victory in the sense that we lost the way that we wanted to lose and it doesn't impact our draft pick, right? Um, but, you know, you just... It's tough. It's tough being a fan in the moment. Like, you know, I don't... If any fan wants Clay like that not to be a PI because they want the draft pick, I don't think you're a real fan. You know, as a fan, you want to see your team win games, but you can also at least have the, you know, perspective that that yeah. PI not being called might be slightly good for the long-term future of the Bears. Yeah, and ultimately, too, they're going to have some winnable games coming up. I mean... Um, not we'll we'll get into the Lions game later, but you know they're heading into a matchup where you take a lot of the good that you did this past week against the Dolphins, and if you can translate to that success and against Detroit, then you're more than likely going to beat them. I mean, <laughs> the the Packers had to try pretty hard last week to not win that game, and they accomplished it. <laughs> um, but I think that yeah, when you're looking at positives from this past week, ultimately the way that it ended. Um, could be positive for the long term. So I'm not completely bummed that they lost the game. Um, and I know that, you know, some people were 
you know, incensed with how bad the defense looked, but it's, that's just kind of going to be, that's how it's going to happen when you have a real lack of pass rush and, you know, you stripped out a lot of the talent on the defense. So yep. there's really, I don't even think you can place a huge amount of blame on Eber Flues. Like you can place some blame as far as, you know, maybe some of the defensive scheme um, and, you know, he's not the one calling the plays or does Allen? Yeah. Allen calls Alan the plays, Williams, right? He calls the plays. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, ultimately all of that's not falling back on Eberflus, but you know, I get some of the people are like, okay, he's a defensive minded coach, you know, so the defense should be looking better, but what can you ask them to do? Um, I think that the, the holes that they have on defense are glaring and now, I mean, they're, they're impossible not to try to fill um, as far as what needs to be done on this defense to make them a competitive defense. But Maybe it's just geared in the right way for Justin's success. I mean, <laughs> in a game like yeah. last week where the Dolphins had no time of possession, you got the ultimate sample size from Justin Fields and end yeah. up getting a record-breaking performance from it. So that's something I, I talked about earlier on in the earlier podcast about kind of just having building that quarterback confidence. And I think that's really come to fruition for someone like Justin Fields where he's kind of just built off of – each of his last few performances where he's really stringing together, um, you know, strong games back to back to back. And, you know, we'll see at some point he is going to settle. He can't just keep breaking NFL records. Like I think he's going to be a very good quarterback, but can't expect that week in and week out. But, you know, it's tough to put a, a ceiling on him when each week he's improving on what he did last. Yeah. And it's, it's been against, I would say, I mean, maybe this week it was a slight step down, but progressively more difficult opponents too. Um, like these these teams that we've played haven't been slouches. You know, we went New England to Dallas to uh, to to the Dolphins, and all those teams are in the maybe not New England, but like in the playoff conversation. They're in the hunt right now. Um, they're they're Two looking of them to make on the road. So. yeah on the road. Yeah, um, it's. It, it's impressive. It's impressive to say the least. And that's why, you know, I broke out the red wine and made that statement because I truly, I think that this, like what's so special about this season compared to like back in 2018, when we had Mitch is that Justin's doing this by himself. You know, Mitch had a loaded, loaded defense, best defense in the NFL, just had a whole free agency period where they spent a ton of money on the offense, got an offensive head coach in the off season. And I understand, I still would go back and be excited for Mitch at that moment, but Justin Fields has showed us. And I I think Adam John said this, and I, I really appreciate it. Mitch was kind of a quarterback that you thought you might be able to win with. Right. But Justin's the type of quarterback that you win because of. And I think that's what we're seeing. I mean, this bears roster Let's just be frank. It, it is one of the worst in the NFL. I mean, like even the the Lions that we're going to see next week, they have a better roster outside of that quarterback position than the Bears do right now. Yeah, that's that's just plain as day, and they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, I I think there's a, only a few teams right now in the NFL that have a better roster than this Chicago Bears team, and you know. I think like even some of the bottom, I mean like the Colts who are terrible, they have a better roster than us right now. Like there's so many teams and that's what gives you, this is what Bears fans have been wanting forever. Everything is wrong with the roster, but the one thing you need to have right is right. And that's why the Bears are scoring 
30 points a game. And I also want to say this, and I didn't bring this up last episode. I think it the moves that Ryan Poles have made over the last offseason speaks tremendously about the type of coach that Matt Eberflus is. Okay, typically when you get a defensive head coach, they want the defense to be the strength of their team. They want everything to be invested in the defense and they often neglect the offense. And that's why a lot of defensive head coaches don't work. They're not typically forward thinking. I mean, think back to John Fox or, you know, Jeff Fisher or whoever you want to think back to. Just these, they want that old school offense. They just want to control the ball and they want to play defense. Eberflus is not that. Eberflus went out, he got a Shanahan, you know, inspired uh, coordinator. And he was okay with letting, I would say, the best five players on the defense leave the team in order to accommodate for Justin Fields long term. Like, especially yep. like Ro- leaving, losing Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, that's a huge hit on a defense, right? We're talking about two all pros. Um, and and Matt Eberflus was like, you know what? Let's go get Chase Claypool. Let's give just because we're okay with winning by the offense. He's not you know, taking ego and trying to be like, no, we need to win by this defense. He's doing what's right for the team overall. And I, I have to say that makes me gain a lot of respect for Matt Eberflus. Yeah. And I think another, and this is going far off script right here, but another thing that I've seen, I guess, across Twitter, or just other ideas and it's a crazy thought and I get where the intentions are, but there's been those few murmurings of like, Oh, do you uh, do you promote Getsy to, to head coach yeah. in order to retain him? And I, I get where the sentiment is coming from in that. And the one thing I'll say is just like I think that you'd you'd have to keep Eberflus because first of all, first of all, he put the staff together. Like he was the one that that made the right choice to bring Getsy mm-hmm. in. You know, no matter how obvious it was, and I don't think that it was necessarily glaringly obvious that he had to bring in someone like Luke Getzey. Like he just made a good call on that. Um, and also too, you have instances like Adam Gase <laughs> in which yeah. you don't, don't do that. And now you've kind of figured out a system that does work for him. So it just makes making that next appointment, you know, that much easier. Like you've seen it play out in front of your eyes that the script is written. Like, you know, Justin Fields can succeed in an NFL offense because he's been doing it now. Like it's proven. It's not just speculation. Um, so it's just not that you can ever fully replicate someone else's style, but you can go out there and get someone that's going to at least put together an offense similar to him. So I thought those were interesting murmurings. I, I like thinking outside of the box for football, but that was just my feelings on that. And I don't even know that Getsy is this like offensive genius, honestly. And I, I meant to bring this up earlier, but I, uh, for as much the, uh, criticism we've had with Equinemius St. Brown um, and, and the referees not calling that uh, blatant pass interference, which they later admitted was incorrect today, um, the, or at least the league office did. I have to say, I, I think those last two drives, I mean, the Bears had the ball twice, right? That, that was the last drive, but they also could have taken it down before. And Matty Refluce defense had a great stop. They gave us a second chance um, at it, but I, I was not a fan of the play calling. I, I don't understand why we, on a third down, we're, going, we're you know trying to complete a pass you know 40 yards downfield, 30, 35 yards downfield. I think that 
both of those last drives, there were some really poor play calling. And I don't mean to be critical of Getze, but I do think that some sometimes when the game's on the line, the offensive play calling isn't the best. I think that at times it can get yeah, a little just not as great. And I just want to make the point that not all coordinators are great head coaches. I think that this bears team is in many ways reminiscent of how um, the bills were built where they went and got a, a defensive head coach with Sean McDermott. And I think that we can have sustained offensive success like the bills have had by, you know, either doing internal hires or just finding someone that's of a similar mindset. You know, there's a lot of guys in the NFL that are constantly looking to, you know, show, that they're the next big deal. And yeah, that's going to lead to some offensive. I mean, it's pretty likely if you stays the head coach for the long term that we will see a year where the offensive sputters. I mean, that's just, I, I guess to be expected. Um, it's not going to be all, all good, but I, I think the hope is that Getsy is here long enough that he can develop Justin Fields. And then Justin Fields can act almost as if, you know, can, can be the point of that, you know, consistency moving forward, like what happened with Josh Allen. Um, yeah, I, 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 I question Iberflus in many ways, but I think that he has proven to me that he deserves to be a head coach in the NFL to this point. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, it's crazy to be able to say positive things about the bears sometimes, because I will say, you know, it's very easy to get in that pessimistic mindset, but you know, you kind of have to when, when good things are happening and, you know, it's about maintaining that, but you know, that's in everyone's best interest is to keep pushing forward and, and, you know, making everything better. Like I said earlier, this offense, this team as a whole is definitely far from perfect. Um, but it's always refreshing to see a step in the right direction for sure. All right, let's let's move on from that. Um, on a negative note, uh, I I gotta bring it up. Uh, is Valus Jones a bust? I mean, you don't like to see your third round pick being inactive, especially when you have guys like Equinemius St. Brown and Dante Pettis taking meaningful snaps in a, in a normal game. Um, I don't know, man. It, this Don this uh this Valus Jones experiment. You know, I know we both said that it was it was an overdraft. Um, I don't know if we would have thought it would be this this poor immediately because it, it, it's it, it's it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, um, especially having him be a healthy scratch per se to the lineup, um, a healthy omission from the active roster uh, this past Sunday. It hasn't been working out um, on the special teams. Definitely thought that we would see better. Um, and it's looking like a big whiff, you know, definitely the biggest whiff of, of Ryan's polls uh, drafting so far for the Chicago bears and only one draft to pick from, but you know, missing on a third round pick uh, like him is impactful. You know, obviously this is not going to ruin Ryan polls you know, GM career, but you string enough blown third round picks together, you know, without, really sufficiently adding on the back end and, and you know we even saw ryan pace pick good draft picks um deeper in the draft but you know sometimes the earlier rounds although he did make a few good picks i mean ryan pace was not a terrible drafter outside of no, the first was, round um but you know there's issues outside of that and i think with valus jones it's just the omission on the offense him not being 
involved in the game plan at all week in week out is uh, certainly the biggest concern for me. Yeah, and I I think that Ryan Pohl saved himself by having a lot of meaningful um, players drafted and and found an undrafted free agency this year. Like I mean, the he hit two first picks out of a you know he had a home run on both those picks. I think the only criticism you can make is that he didn't draft George Pickens with one of those picks, and I you know that's a fair criticism. Maybe he could have traded up from the third round and and drafted George Pickens um, even after taking both those players because he was still available. Um, you know, I, I, at this point, it's especially with Velas's age, all the talk about him being a veteran presence in the room. He has certainly looked like a rookie. I mean, just the, it's going to be really hard for him to stay on the roster as a gadget player when really he has almost no contribution on special teams if he's not punt returning or kick returning, um, you know, maybe he's able to figure that out, get his hands in shape. And, you know, I think that they're going to treat it as a week by week basis. It wouldn't surprise me if he's on the roster again this week, but man, it, it does seem like this has been, uh, you know, a, a miss, a miss. And I don't know who they could have drafted instead of them, but luckily we got some good later round picks that kind of make up for it. But still, I mean, that's a third round pick you're missing on. And I'm not like here to call it completely over with the bears or anything like that you know because i think that certainly with us calling it a miss can come off that way and it takes a lot more than a season for some players to fully get in the groove to fully you know kind of find their place in the league or on the team and i think with valus jones there's certainly an opportunity where he can at least be impactful on special teams or he can find some kind of role in the offense that you know at least makes him worthy of a roster spot or being part of the active lineup. Like, I think that that's certainly out there for him to accomplish and, and possibly even more like they picked him because they thought he had upside. So there's at least some potential there now, whether or not it can be realized is the, is the main sticking point. Um, But there needs to be improvements. Like he needs to be more involved on the football team, Um, you know, with him not being, included last week i don't know if that's a lack of trust or if that was a you know didn't see enough from him in practice kind of decision um but i I think that there's certainly some hope for him and it's not about who they who they didn't pick like you know we can go on and on about pickens a lot of bears fans talk about pickens you know everyone had their eye on him you know looking at those second round draft picks but um, it's the fact that they took Valus Jones, and now they need to to make the best of that situation. And we're just gonna have to see how it develops. But the one thing that we can't do right now is, is count on him for <laughs> for any kind of impact that possibly we're hoping for at the beginning of the season and during training camp. Yeah, and it's tough, especially considering that a team like the Packers, who we're gonna get to in a minute, but the the Packers draft Romeo Dobbs in you know, the late way later round than Jones is, and he's making a much more meaningful impact for that team right now. Um, they also drafted Christian Watson, who has been as, as bad as you could have asked for from a pick that high. Um, all right, let's, let's just move on. Um, it's kind of a curveball, wasn't on the rundown, but I think it's worth mentioning considering we're going into <laughs> the lions. Uh, what's, what's going on with the Packers? Yeah. I mean, this Man, team is, was... this team is, is, this got to be the worst offense in in the NFL. I mean, this this team has put up just 
nothing. They put up seven points, or what was it, six points against the worst defense in the NFL by far. Yeah. Well, they lost 15 to nine, right? That was the final score. Uh, I thought they lost. I mean, we can look it up right now. I believe it was 50 to nine. I was, you know, I think we both were, but I was fully tuned into the Bears game. So, at yes, least you're right. 15 to nine. 15 to nine. Excuse me. Uh, it was nine points. Not giving Aaron um, Rodgers enough credit. <laughs> but, you know, I was fully tuned into the Bears game. So, I wasn't like all that present in the Packers game this past week. Um, but the three red zone interceptions that never reads well (laughs) and uh it's it's been something i mean i think for pocket passing quarterbacks in the nfl it's just been tougher this year for your traditional quarterbacks it's been a tougher year you know I, i think that teams that have quarterbacks that have at least some sense of mobility have been able to just stretch out plays a little bit longer, turn those into impact, bigger, more explosive plays. Um, and with how good pass rushing some teams have gotten, it, it's it's gotten tougher. You know, quarterbacks like Tom Brady for your Aaron Rodgers, um, and for you know even someone like Matt Ryan who was taken off partially for contractual reasons, so Ursay didn't have to pay him. You know, his incentive laden yeah, incentive yeah, laden. He, he sucks too. <laughs> Yeah, his incentive laid in contract. But I think with Aaron Rodgers, it just hasn't been fully dialed in. I mean, he certainly misses someone like Devontae Adams. Like, that's become apparent. And, you know, the draft picks that they've taken on these wide receivers, you brought up Romeo Dobbs, someone like Christian Watson, they've been in and out of the lineup, you know. So they haven't really been able to deliver any kind of instant impact when they've been in and out. And someone like Sammy Watkins just isn't who he was, you know, many years ago. Um, and it's not week one. Yeah, except <laughs> where he plays the Bears. Yeah, but, and even, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers looked the best when he had Randall Cobb to throw to, and since he's been banged up, it's all gone downhill. So it's just been a lack of familiarity, a lack of trust. You know, Aaron Rodgers has not been as sharp as usual. I mean, throwing three interceptions in a game is almost unheard of for him, so it's been out of character for the whole offense. And it's just like, when you have it, you have it, you know, like Justin Fields, he has the confidence. Things are coming together. They're working out. And when you don't have that and you're not building off of your performances from the last week and, you know, Matt LaFleur is saying, we got to run the ball more. We got to run the ball more. And, you know, they still aren't giving it to to Aaron Jones. So what are you going to do, man? Yeah, I think it, it, it does start at Rodgers. They definitely miss Devontae Adams. And I think it's because Devontae Adams used to just bail Rodgers out of a lot of, you know, crappy situations that he may accidentally get himself into by holding the ball too long, you know, doing what an elite receiver does. I also think Rodgers took a step back, right? Like he, he's probably showing a little bit of age on him. Um, he's not performing the way he can, even when there are open receivers, he's sometimes been missing them or, you know, and sometimes that could just be like a confidence thing. Like you were saying, just like, feeling like you're an elite quarterback. He hasn't been an elite quarterback. And the 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 Packers, they what's so troubling about this team for them is that this team from, you know, an external perspective looked like it had, you know, it had very few holes. You know, like on that defense they added two first round picks and, and you know, potentially key areas of concern. And in my opinion, neither of those first round picks worked out that well. 
Christian Watson. I like you can blame the Bears for not drafting George Pickens. They went with a different position overall. The Packers drafted a wide receiver and they drafted Christian Watson over George Pickens, which you know, I remember draft lights sending night sending you a text like that's ridiculous. That is one of the most ridiculous draft picks I've ever seen. Christian Watson over, over George Pickens, even though, you know, Christian Watson has a lot of reasons to keep you excited. You know, he is an athletically gifted player, but he just wasn't George Pickens. Um, yeah. I think that this goes down to the fact that their quarterback isn't playing at an elite level. They lost their best offensive player. One of their other best offensive players who's a running back is getting a little bit older. Um, the offensive line as a whole is getting older and not performing at quite the same level. And you got a lot of young receivers. And on top of that, you have a quarterback who, when things don't go well, likes to reflect blame, does not like to, to, to take the blame himself. So I think it's causing some internal issues too. I mean, we had someone like Devondre Campbell going on a podcast saying that Jordan Love is better than a lot of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, which is not something you would typically hear from a, a key starter on your team. Um, uh, you definitely wouldn't like to see that when your quarterback's struggling. Um, and on top of that, I, I also think that like Malafleur and, and, and Brian Gutekunst has got, have gotten a lot of praise. They both inherited some of the most favorable positions you've ever seen a GM and a head coach inherit. They inherited Aaron Rodgers. They inherited a good amount of draft picks. Brian Gutekunst, I mean, Packers fans can get mad at that. I don't think he's a good GM. I think he's had a couple key hits that have been good. But especially as of late, I think he's been a, a very bad GM. I mean, we're talking the 2020 draft was horrible for them, right? I mean, they they the 2021 draft was... I mean, the 2020 draft, they barely... I mean, A.J. Dillon's the best player that they got from that, and that's and he's having a terrible season right now. Um, the 2021 draft, who do they even take? I can't even... Uh, Eric Stokes in the first round, who has been horrible this year. Like, especially recently, much worse than the Bears rookie, Kyler Gordon, who we got in the second round. And, and they... Sure, I think they've had some, you know decent contributors from that 2021 and, and you know but really Eric Stokes was kind of the only guy that they they were really <laughs> pressing there and he's been pretty bad and then in 2022 Quay Walker I I saw NFL rookie watch put out a stat that he's put up five plus tackles in four straight games that's not even good that's not good this defense is not the defense that was sold to us all offseason Definitely not enough to carry the poor performance of the offense right now. So we're seeing key players take major step backs. The GM's not drafting well. And the coach, now that he doesn't have the best wide receiver in the league and the best quarterback in the league, he's showing his true colors that he can't. He, he yeah. It's been covered up for him a little bit. Yeah, and I don't even think like the, their defense is even fully to blame. I mean, they held it's the been, team to 15. It's been good. It just hasn't been like what it was sold. Right. It's been... Moderately and, and good. Kind of, kind of part of the issue with the Bears is that they they just put a lot of money into it as well. I mean, there are a lot of high priced players in that defense, um, but and draft capital, of course, as well. I mean, that's another mm -hmm. big thing. You know, a lot of high picks on the defense. Um, but outside of that, like you kind of said it yourself, they Matt Lafleur and Gutekunst basically and inherited a situation that was very favorable. 
maybe they're not expected to win it their first year, but they knew the timeline was for success. Like they mm-hmm. were striving for success early on in that process. There was no rebuilding. They were given, you know, an all pro left tackle, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the game, one of the best quarterbacks in the game, you know, and they were starting to build the defense to follow along with that. Now you're getting to the point, like you said, they're aging. So this was the the part that they knew were going to come, but they're trying to hit that peak of success beforehand. And yeah. now is kind of the point where it's like, you know, it's a little bit of a witching hour for the Packers themselves. Like that's, you know, the players are past their peak. And now when you have players locked up on those kind of contracts on an offense like that, and then you're depending on the younger players, the players you just drafted to pick up the slack, there's a chance it can work, but you're, you're rolling the dice and at least mm-hmm. how things have fallen so far this year, it hasn't worked out for them. Now, could they find some kind of groove before the end of the season? Maybe. Um, but it just doesn't seem that it was going to be anything like the Packers offenses that we had come to expect from them. And I think funny enough, Gutekunst tried to bridge that gap for himself and for Matt LaFleur, where they tried to consider both the future uh, and, and right now. And I think ironically, that's going to what I think that's, what's going to end up getting them fired. I, I, I do foresee both of these, this GM and this coach, and this might be a hot take right now, but I, I do foresee them in the near future, both of them getting fired because I know that the second Jordan Love starts taking snaps that season, there's going to be some firings because Jordan Love is not a good quarterback. And I've never seen a franchise as delusional as the Packers when it comes to their quarterback. Like, Funny enough, the Packers have experienced such good quarterback play and the fan base has experienced such good quarterback play that you'd think they wouldn't understand what good quarterback play is. But I think that there is this weird aspect of it that they've never had to see a quarterback develop. Like most of these Packers fans that are alive today went, you know, straight from Favre to Rodgers, you know, especially, you know, Packers fans in the media. They've seen good quarterback play their entire life. They've never had to deal with a quarterback developing. And Jordan Love, I mean, he has, every single time he's touched the field, left just a a shit show of a performance. I mean, I I message you, I've never seen (laughs) a fan base so excited about a quarterback that's thrown four picks in a preseason game. A preseason game. Like, it's it's getting to a new level where I'm concerned, but... What I was getting back to originally, at the end of the day, I think what's going to end up getting good at fired is you had, they had three seasons of MVP level Rodgers and they never went all in on it. And that's, that's a shame. I mean, that's, I know as Bears fans, we might not want that, but as just an NFL fan overall, you know, it would have been cool to see yeah. what Rodgers could have done with a real, like some real elite talent around them, especially and this is the other thing that's so messed up, Reese. We have seen the most NFL trades over the off seasons over the past three years that have ever happened. They had the opportunity. They said no. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying. It's just kind of the way that I view them. And, of course, it's not an exact comparison, but it's kind of like just what the Steelers just wrapped up like last year and we're doing for the past couple of seasons with Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. You know? 
the the days of AB and Le'Veon Bell, like those are gone for, you know, the past two years that Roethlisberger played. And yeah, he had like someone like Juju Smith Schuster and, you know, Chase Claypool and, and other players that are around him that were, you know, decent additions, but it wasn't the same. Like, Everyone was clowning the Steelers a few years back when they couldn't do anything when they when they had that combination mm-hmm. of Big Ben, you know, A. B. and, and Le'Veon. And don't forget because it was uh, Martavius always, it was Bryant all... too. He, I mean, he had a couple of great yeah. seasons for them. And they experienced letdowns, and it was kind of similar to what happened with Green Bay, where you expected. I mean, I expected over the past, or at least over the past three years. You know, each one of those seasons, I had an inkling that, you know, maybe you'd see the Packers back in it and they couldn't make it. They couldn't make it to the Super Bowl. And now that it's kind of like a quasi tear apart because, you know, you are missing some of your best players now. There's still a few of them lingering around, but they're in this awkward transition phase. Like you said, they didn't commit to to fully buying into Rodgers and tried to bridge the gap into making it sustainable. And then trying to make it sustainable, they kind of wrote their own demise. Is at least is how yeah. it's writing itself right now. Um, but and then they second you know, guessed themselves, and the, and they gave Rogers a fifty million dollar per year four year extension this offseason. <laughs> which yeah, I, I'm telling you, even if they want to trade Rogers, they can trade him. They're going to be paying his salary for the next couple of years. Like there's, they can't get out of the cap crunch that they have. They're going to lose good players because of this. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, uh, one of the weirdest things about this NFL season is just the NFC, and and part of that is certainly the Packers not being right up at the top of it. And now, now we're dealing with a, a Vikings team that last year, um, <laughs> as a friend of mine at work and I were talking about, a Vikings team that last year could not win a single close game for their lives, and now are kind of just happening into all these close wins. I yeah. mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and and th- that's the funny thing also on top of all this, the NFC is so wide open. Like if the Packers were the Packers from last year, same team, put them in, they'd probably go to the Super Bowl. Like it, it's the NFC, the, the Rams are not good. The Buccaneers are not good. Really, you, the, the teams you got at the type are the Vikings, at the top are the Vikings, Eagles and Cowboys. And I yeah, think the that, NFC East is the, the craziest division by far. Yeah, and, and that that's so funny because NFC East was like easily the worst a couple years back. Um I think they were there was I can't remember what year it was, but they nearly had a team make the playoffs with like a seven and not like a losing record. Um Yeah, I know. It wasn't that long ago before most of them were struggling and now I mean dang, they were before last week before Washington lost the Vikings, they were all at least above five hundred and you know, most of them had one or two lo- or one loss or no losses. <laughs> Just shows so, you I mean, how ridiculous division there's every there's always a year in the NFL. And, and this is what's so cool. I think about the NFL that there's always just a reality check. You know, there's always just a reality yeah. check year that you get and like this. You think, this is the year, man. Yeah. This year has been wild. You think, you know, you think, you know, and then all the analysts are just recognize that they, they have no clue. Like that, and that's what the beauty of football, compared to basketball or or hockey or, or you know baseball, it's just there's this such a high level of unpredictability, 
and it's so cool. And and like turnarounds can be it. It's almost like um in college football where there's like you know it's like for instance like Iowa is a football program where they'll go and they'll knock off like you know that one year they had like number six Michigan or whatever. They almost knocked off Penn State one year. I remember. And it's just like. That's like everywhere in the NFL though. Like it's when they say any given week, that's truthfully pretty true uh, for the vast majority of teams. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's, uh, that's really cool. What's special. Um, and one last comparison I want to give out before we, we move topics back to a bears topic. This Packers team reminds me a lot of like the Lakers right now in basketball. Yeah, that's fair. Like where you, you have LeBron and, and LeBron's performing well. And and like, I guess like you can make that Rogers comparison to LeBron where he's kind of always played, you know, like second fiddle to like potentially the greatest of all time. And, but the, it's just not, everything's not clicking and you don't necessarily know why, because there's some decent players, but the players are declining. And that, that's how I view this Packers team. Um, and until they prove otherwise and don't put up nine points against the worst defense in the NFL, which, you know, I'll, I'll bite my tongue and hope that the Bears don't do that because, you know, any given Sunday with the Bears too, man. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Yeah, right. Could be a totally different sounding podcast yeah, next week. That's for seriously. sure. Um, but, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Bears' offseason plans because I think that it's impossible to go through the season as a Bears fan and not think about what could be moving forward. Um, so I'm just interested. I, I know uh, – we want to talk a little bit about how like how we think Ryan Poles will approach this offseason because I think some Bears fans might be getting a little too ahead of themselves um and and the, like you know like oh 130 million dollars in cap space you know this, like we're going to go crazy we're going to yada 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 maybe maybe not um it's hard to say right now uh and I also want to know who's some uh free agents that you have your eyes on yeah i mean i think that I expect the the Bears to be active, of course, in in the free agent market. Like I, I don't expect them to go down and spend the whole the whole cap, though. You know, I just don't think that's yeah. what Ryan Pohl's vision is. I don't think they're gonna, unless we see like, unless this just keeps getting ridiculous from Justin Fields, then maybe that becomes the case. You know, yeah. like. I guess Justin Fields can finish this year so strong that you're like, we have no choice. But we to... have to go in on his rookie contract no matter what. Exactly. So, um, you know, whether that end up being the last year of his rookie contract or, you know, you jump ahead a year, you know, a year ahead of schedule per se. Um, but I expect them to be active. I think obviously, of course, along the the offensive line, I mean, there are the big name targets out there. Like you have Orlando Brown Jr., which I think is someone that you could float out there as far as if they're mm-hmm. absolutely looking to to make that you know franchise tackle position a thing. But someone that Ryan Poles gonna... brought in in Kansas City too. Exactly. So obviously someone that he has a favorable opinion on. Um, I think it depends on what we see. Like I guess in my head, what I question is like, is it really fathomable that the Bears could progress with Braxton Jones there at left tackle? Not even just like, you know, as a part of the line in the future, but like, is that really something that that can be done? Because making a fifth round pick and he has performed better time, better um, and then sometimes worse than other weeks. But for the most part, at least serviceable, sometimes gets bullied. 
but it's like, man, can we really stick with that? You know, moving forward. I don't know how you feel about that, Austin, but yeah, yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll chime in quickly. I think uh, Braxton Jones has showed us enough that you could potentially feel comfortable going into a second year with him as a starter and seeing what happens. You know, it's unrealistic to expect a rookie. And this is where draft pick, I think, plays a big role in it. Like, for instance, I think Braxton Jones has been better than Evan Neal. Um, yeah. For for the New York Giants. But Evan Neal was, uh, uh, you know, top, what was he, top 10 pick. And Braxton Jones was a fifth round pick. So it's like things like that. You kind of wonder... Um, I think Braxton Jones will start. I don't. I don't necessarily know if he'll end up being the left tackle, but I'm fairly certain he'll be a tackle, a starting tackle for the Bears next season. Potentially switching him over to right tackle. Yeah, and also I think part of I think another interesting name that I'm considering is, and this is off the idea that, you know, David Montgomery walks, right? Like he's asking too much. I love it. I already know it. I love it. (laughs) Why? You already know it's going to be Kareem Hunt? Oh, no. (laughs) I I thought it was going to be one of your favorite players that you talk about all the time. Who's a pending free agent with a, a, a major running back that has a contract in front of him that we just played a couple weeks ago. Tony Pollard. You're talking about Oh, Tony Pollard. Oh, yeah. No, I think either one, though. I think either one, because I think someone like Kareem Hunt, where maybe isn't going to be asking for the same amount of money as David Montgomery because he's in a different part of his career. And someone like Tony Pollard as well, because I think that there's interest in in keeping Khalil Herber a significant part of the offense. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I do think that part of the specialness of Khalil Herbert is that you kind of unlock him at times. Like I'm not, I guess I'm not a hundred percent sold that he's a full three down back in the NFL. You yeah. know, I feel I like he does that. need a, uh, he needs like that partner in crime. And I think someone yeah. like Kareem hunt where has just a little bit, they're, they're different in the same, you know, at the same time. Like I think that they have, you know, sometimes similar vision, similar moves and similar ways that they attack the defense. Um, but I think that it'd be an interesting one to punch. And, you know, if I don't really know quite yet what to f- like fully expect from the David Montgomery contract, but like if he really is asking like over 10 million plus yeah, and no. but then you can probably get someone like Kareem Hunt for like 7.5. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. I think Kareem Hunt's better than David Montgomery. Um, I, I love David Montgomery. I wanted the Bears to draft David Montgomery in 2019. I think he's a great person. Love what he's contributed to this team. I mean, he really has given this team a lot. And I still think he he breaks off some insane runs. My issue with David Montgomery is I don't think he's always super consistent. Like, I think we get the elite. I think David Montgomery flashes elite capabilities. But I think they, I mean, throughout his four years here, it, they've been flashes. They, I don't think they've been consistent enough where you're like, yeah, he's this every down back. And I think that's why that it's been so good that we've gotten Khalil Herbert to be as good as he has been. Um, I mean, we talked about it how much last season that it was a crime that Matt Nagy didn't get Khalil Herbert more involved. Um, and I agree with you. Like, I think Khalil Herbert is best in spurts. Um, and I, I do think that David Montgomery and Herbert complement each other well. But David Montgomery, as far as like a build and like a, a skill set, is kind of a carbon copy of Kareem Hunt. 
Um, I just think Kareem Hunt does a lot of things better. I think the reason why a team would maybe go for David Montgomery and give him a bigger contract is just because he's younger. Yeah, and I, I'm fine with it either. I'm not opposed to giving David Montgomery around, you know, um, especially if he's like at least somewhat willing to maybe take like a one or two million dollar hometown discount. Like that'd be <laughs> a little helpful, but. You know, that's not the way that it always works. Do you want to go ahead and, and list off a couple of guys and then I'll wrap up? Yeah. Um, I, I just want to say before I get into it, um, Tony Pollard, I, I think, would be uh, is going to be a home run signing. Uh, I think Dallas might try to accommodate for him. Um, it's going to be difficult because you already have Ezekiel Elliott on a major contract. But man, when yeah. that when that when he finds a team that's finally going to utilize him the best, like it's he's going to be so good. And that's why I would love the bears, even though he's a running back. And I don't think that, I mean, if you look at it, the good teams in the NFL don't often allocate that much to running backs. You know, you never know how running back on a second contract can go. I think it's a little different for Tony Pollard. Cause he's been a really, he's been a, you know, the backup essentially to Ezekiel Elliott, um, a change right. of pace back, if you will. Um, but I, I'm a, I'm a throw out my, my first one, um, offensive line, Elton Jenkins. Um, I I don't think the Packers are going to be able to resign him. Home run. Already yeah. already had an All Pro season at uh, guard and a Pro Bowl season at tackle. So he shows versatility there. If you look at the film, he's definitely a much better guard than a tackle. Um, I'm thinking it might be worth exploring the opportunity to switch Tevin Jenkins back to right tackle next season if he can get his body where Ryan Poles wants him to be because Tevin Jenkins has shown a lot of you know, promise at that position. If not, I think it'd be even worth exploring getting rid of Cody Whitehair just because he's getting a little older, bringing in Tava Jenkins, who's, you know, four or five years younger than him, um, pretty significantly younger than him. And also, or sorry, not Tava Jenkins, Ellen Jenkins, uh, two Jenkins on the offensive line, then um, putting him at that left guard position just because he's younger, a better performer. I know Elton Jenkins hasn't had a great season this year, um, I'm not putting too much stock into it. I mean, this guy's still put together, you know, two to three really, really good seasons. And I think a lot of his negative production this year is that they just keep moving him around. Like they've kept him, they've had him at left tackle. They've had him at right tackle. They had him at guard. Like you can't move an offensive line around that much and expect similar production. It's, it's pretty difficult. It's, so it's a band aid, you know, yeah. it's a band aid. Yeah, and I think and, that versatility is good too for injuries. You know, like worst case scenario, if the Bears have an injury somewhere, he can slot in at pretty much any position besides center. Yeah, and I think it's even like a testament for you know the quality of player that he is too. You know, because well, it is a lot out of necessity too. It's like it's because they feel the most comfortable doing that. You know, when they have to shuffle, you know, filling one of the more glaring needs with him because he's they're one of their more trusted offensive linemen. So mm -hmm. I think that says a lot. I think another person that has been, his name has circled around quite a bit for the bears. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Why, especially with it being a pretty glaring need on the defense. And I think that a player like Justin Jones has come out and mm. played better over the past couple of weeks, but Darren Payne, I think is yeah. one that goes really without saying, I, mean, I think that if you have the opportunity, um, to go ahead and fill that gap, uh, definitely a position that Matt Eberflus really values on the defense as well. Um, yeah. and, and for someone of his caliber, to fill that would be a, a huge boost. 
Yeah. And that's someone like, I also, when we went through this, I went, like, I was trying to stay reasonable too with like the names that we would expect. Like for instance, yeah. I think Deron Payne reasonably can enter the free agent market because they already have so many other guys on that defensive line. Some of those guys are going to need contracts in the future um, that they might even, you know, prefer over a Deron Payne. You never know. Um, they also need a quarterback. So they're going to have to de- devote resources to that as well. So it's like, do they really want to give Deron Payne a defensive tackle who in certain schemes, you know, that, that defensive tackle can mean, you know, it's, it's a varying importance depending on the scheme that you're in. Um, for Matt Eberflus' scheme, it's of the highest importance, right? So yeah, Deron Payne was also one of my guys. I think like, and, and, and I, I kind of want to, I, I kind of skipped over how I think polls is going to approach the off season, but I think he, what he's going to do it. Is, I don't think he's going to be all in. I think he's going to be looking for young players, good players, players of any, actually any like level of how good they are on good deals. Um, or at least reasonable deals. Like I think he'd be willing to overpay for someone like a Durant Payne or for someone like an Ellen Jenkins, as long as it's not astronomical. I- I think it's fair to say that maybe they make a splash move, but like just one of them. I don't think you're going to see multiple. Because you know? I don't think but they, I, I don't even know if Ryan Poles thinks that next year is the year. I think he might view this as the year after that. Yeah. And I'm not even saying that you make the splash move for this year, but as really bringing in someone that you think for when it is the year is going to be an integral part yeah. that you can't miss out on. And you Ron Payne is what, like 25? Yeah. yeah. And I think that that could very reasonable be someone that, you know, if you do have to spend a little bit more, maybe you splurge on one of the players, mm-hmm. but, you know, play it fairly smooth for the rest of them. The other ones, you know, my last player, like, I don't know exactly how I feel about it, but I, I think that Ryan Poles looking into this off season is not going to want to waste like a high, especially depending on their draft position. I think that has a lot to do with it and how he'll approach it. Um, kind of talking more so about like the first round draft pick where it lines them up to be and possibly who they're going to pick. But I think that there's also the possibility that the bears don't go out there and get like a first round wide receiver, you know? Yeah. So I think Definitely that brings in, I think that, that brings maybe someone like Jacoby Myers into play, you know? Yeah. I Even another player that couldn't Nelson have his... Um, yeah, and Nelson Aguilar. I think um, I'm not really sure what kind of contract to expect for a player like this, given how banged up he can be. But, like, if he doesn't take the fifth-year option, Sterling Shepard, like, mm-hmm. he's someone that can be very dynamic, you know? Yeah. But he's always banged up, which I'm not sure if, you know, the Bears would take a chance on someone like that where... You know, it seems like they prioritize health, being able to be out there all the time, giving giving it your all. So I don't know. I feel like it could be a rotation of, you know, some not scrub wide receivers, but, you know, above average receiver insert, you know, whoever that's going to be. Yeah. No. And I think that outside of like the good young players on fair contracts, I think they will invest a decent amount of money into some potentially even veteran players that will act as band-aids. Cause I don't, I think they view next year as integral in Justin Fields development. And I think they're want to see him take that, uh, you know, third major step forward and they want to give him enough to do that. 
but I think they're also not gonna. And I, I, I genuinely think this is just gonna be Ryan Poles as a GM. I don't think he's gonna give out insane contracts. Like for someone like Orlando Brown, I don't know if they'd even necessarily be interested in him because the contract. If Orlando Brown hits free agency, the contract he gets is gonna be huge, over twenty million dollars for sure. And he's, you know, maybe a slightly better than you know average left tackle like maybe just out of the top 10 left tackles in the nfl I, I do wonder if he would be hesitant to give that massive contract to a player of that caliber especially considering how much time he's put into you know cleaning up this bears team from not great contracts yeah no i mean that's definitely keeping uh keeping the cap as flexible as possible i think is definitely gonna be a priority um until you know until there's really that opportunity that strikes to, yeah. to absolutely go all in. And I think even then when we like stack you know, draft want... pick, draft drafts, like good drafts. Yeah. And Ryan Poles really did talk about like sustained, you know, success. I mean, he made it one of his big lines in the introductory press conference to say we're gonna take the north and never give it back. So yeah. he's not just looking this isn't a Rams build up, which obviously it's clearly not, but this isn't one of those situations where you go in all in for a year, you make a counter, you don't. Um this is a team that's trying to be built for success over, you know, hopefully a decade. <laughs> um we could know, hopefully something is hopefully something as long as that and yeah, I, I would. As much as I expect Ryan Pulse to make moves this offseason, um, he's certainly not going to try to do anything to set the team back either. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he's going to be committing multiple large contracts to players that are going to be maybe Unworthy. instant boosts, but could backfire in as little as, you know, two years. I do expect us to be active on the first stage of free agency, unlike we were this year, though. So we can be happy for that. Um, a player that I'm looking at potentially is Marcus Davenport from the Saints. I was a big fan of him coming out of the draft, and he, you know, he's explosive. Obviously, they already have Cam Jordan there. Um, I don't think they're going to sign him, especially where their cap space is, especially where their QBs, you know, their their QB position is. Like they have a lot going wrong with that team I just I I don't really foresee us or foresee them re-signing Marcus Davenport now he might be someone that gets overpaid too but I mean this is a team that desperately needs an edge rusher especially an athletic one like Marcus Davenport and you know potentially pairing him with a high level draft pick I mean I think there's a really good shot that that top draft pick is a, a defensive lineman, even though that's not necessarily what yeah. we want. I, I do think there, I think wide receiver still is in question. Cause like, I mean, let's just imagine we trade down and pick up, you know, Jordan Addison. Now this wide receiver room looks like one of the better ones in the NFL, right? You have three really good receivers um, for Justin yeah. Fields. But I, I do think that like positional value, I mean, if you're in striking range for a top, you know, like a Jalen Carter, which that's why I'm I'm a little iffy. It's hard to say what the Bears are going to do in the draft right now because we don't know where they're at. If we're out of the top 10, wide receiver becomes a lot more likely. But if we're like top five, like at five, I mean, Jalen Carter's there. Like you're, you're going for probably best available, I'd imagine. Yeah. And that's the thing is ultimately it's good that the Bears have their options open. You know, mm -hmm. they have holes to fill that, you know, wherever they finish in that first round, they're going to be able to take a, a great player that's going to, 
and I imagine they'll be picking. Yeah. So basically they're going to fill a need by picking best player available pretty much no matter what, um, just with how this draft is looking like it's going to line up. Um, so I'm ultimately not worried about who they're going to draft, at least at this moment. Um, but it certainly is going to have an impact on how they approach free agency for sure. Like Davenport could be someone that's an absolute must get, or like you said, if there is like, if they have a top 10 pick, then right. Maybe you sign a receiver or, you know, yeah. I mean, cause ultimately they're gonna have to have everything sorted out for that yeah. first phase of free agency. They're going to be active in it. Like you said, so it's going to be a, definitely an important determinate determining factor. And honestly, I hate the wide receivers in this free agency. Like, I, I just think they're, they're not great. They're, they're I mean, horrible. They're all gone. All the good ones are gone. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, no, they re-signed exactly. So, like, I that's why I it wouldn't even surprise me if they don't even sign a wide receiver in free agency. Like, I think that's definitely on the table. And if that's on the table, then you might be like, okay, maybe, you know, first-round pick, you got to consider it a little bit more. Um, I don't know. But... Uh, another name that I'm going to throw out there. I got two more names. I'll just give them to you. I don't, do you have any more names? Um, no, I, I no. threw my okay. So my, my last two are both Buffalo bills. Um, Tremaine Edmonds linebacker. Yeah. I, I yeah. think he, you know, he came out with Roquan Smith back in 2018. Uh, they, they like what they got there with, I can't even remember their other linebackers name, but he's really good too. Tremaine Edmonds, I think is a good linebacker. Like, a, a, like a good linebacker you probably don't regret spending a first round pick on him um he's got like length, a lot of length which i think Eberflus will see and say hey this reminds me a lot of darius leonard or Shaq leonard <laughs> now that the new name that we're calling him right yeah um, so i i think that 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 will play a, a part where he's like okay body type can you can see him in the similar position um, and you know, he's probably only going to get a, you know, a $13 million contract, which isn't anything to scoff at, but definitely something lower than what Roquan was asking for. Um, and you know, he's a quality player. Like I think he could be a pro bowl player in the NFL. I think he's like right on the cusp right there. And, and for a team that's going to need inside linebacker, I could see us spending some money there. Um, and then the, the last name I have, uh, center Mitch Morse. I think he's getting a little bit older. It wouldn't surprise me if this Buffalo Bills team opts to go to the draft. There's a lot of good centers in the draft too. So if the Bears go the draft route and just want to say that Lucas Patrick is the center and then draft a center in the mid rounds, there's like, I would say like four or five really good centers in in this draft class. Uh, I think it's one of the better offensive line positions outside of tackle right now um, for the draft. So um, I, I could see Mitch Morse just wanting to, you know, give Justin Fields a sure thing at center for once, not have Sam Mustafer in there, um, not have Lucas Patrick in there, who seems like he can't stop getting injured right now. Um, already been injured twice majorly this year for the Bears. Um, I think that would be a good decision, too. And maybe you you don't go like maybe you'd go after him if you don't go after Elton Jenkins or can't get Elton Jenkins. Um, and I think even though he's a little older, like I think he's hitting 30, I think you can get him on, you know, like a two year contract where it makes sense long term for this team. Yeah. And the only thing I'll say to counter Morris is just you kind of said it a little bit yourself is just some of these younger centers coming yeah. out of the draft have been so good that it's they're like, good, man. Like maybe you just do take one on a rookie contract yeah. and just solidify that way, because I know someone like Humphreys then. Who's the one from Iowa the Ravens just drafted? Um, oh, uh, Linderbaum? Yeah, exactly. Like, 
there's been franchise centers <laughs> and coming out. A weird term to class. use, but even I mean, yeah. if you even want to look at the Packers, they drafted that Josh Myers from Ohio State a couple years back. Um, he's been good. I mean, this year it's really got. I mean, they got uh, Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas, Cedric Van Pran, who's from Georgia, who's really good. Michigan has a good center. Um, John, whatever that's that's with Minnesota is a good center. Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame. Like, there's some damn good centers in this draft. Yeah. So I don't know. Just an idea. I don't know. Maybe just with that much depth, you know, it's. I would. I personally wouldn't be yeah. upset with spending a, a draft pick on one, but yeah. I, I I don't mind the idea at all. It's just the recent veteran. No, you you hate my you hate Bears. you hate my free agency signing. Just say it, Reese. You you hate it. I'm just playing. <laughs> I hate it. I can't stand it. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Well, let's 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 move on to the last piece. Um, oh my god! I just saw that the Pelicans beat the Bulls. Oh man, that's. That's tough. I was watching that game before we started recording. Um, oh. The Lions. What what what's your initial thoughts on this matchup before we get into any score? Like, what's your your yeah. thoughts on the Lions franchise, their defense, their offense, their coaching staff? How you feeling? Yeah. Um, you know, I I I, I want to feel like they have good direction. Um, they certainly have. A lot of talent. I mean, I'm a fan of Amonra St. Brown, uh, Jamal Williams, or wait. Jamal Williams on the team. Am I biffing? Oh, are you thinking of uh, the running back from Georgia they have, too? Yeah, right. But, you know, DeAndre Swift. I mean, of course, he's great, too. Like, they've been building things for the future in in Detroit. They have talent on the offense. Like you kind of said, it's a little bit of everything outside the quarterback. Um, you know, they even took Penny Sewell a couple of years back. That's kind of supposed to be their stalwart offensive lineman. I think on the defense, you know, it's definitely not great. <laughs> um, they've still statistically worse bring... than the NFL by like a significant margin. Yeah. And even with bringing in Aiden Hutchinson, they've still really struggled to get pressure on quarterbacks. Like this should be with the weaknesses of the Lions, like the bears should just be able to run it at will on them, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, which I think plays really favorably into the bears hands is that they should be able to execute the game plan how they want. Um, I do think it's also an opportunity to open up the playbook a little bit more, you know, take a couple of deep shots on them. Um, obviously they can get some takeaways, look up a lot of yardage, but they can get some takeaways, um, so you can't just be willy-nilly with the ball. Um, but I do think that the Bears should be able to have their way with them and how they want with offense. So I think they need to continue doing a lot of what they're doing with, you know, a few design quarterback runs thrown in there, of course, getting the pocket moving, um, a little bit of deception, of course, the play actions, uh, especially the play action to commit um, that ended up leading to that, or that was that touchdown play that just worked and executed so beautifully, froze the linebackers. They're going to have opportunity to do things like that. Um, and I think for the defense, it's going to be keeping the passing game in check, uh, making sure that the Lions just keep the ball on the ground. Um, I don't have much confidence for for the Bears really in being able to generate pass rush against any team. This would be a great week to, to get it started. Um, but I think that as long as they can keep players like Amara St. Brown in check, I don't know if Josh Reynolds is going to be healthy. He's been 
injured. I know like Cleef Raymond, there's been a lot of injuries on them for offense. Of course, they don't have TJ Hawkinson anymore. So less players to account for, um, but they need to make sure they lock down the players like Amara St. Brown that are healthy and will be playing. So, yeah, I think it's obviously a favorable matchup. Uh, the Packers definitely thought so last week too. Um, but, yeah, the Bears definitely need to execute. I mean, it's not going to be a complete walk in the park. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's how I feel with it. I think the Bears should have their way with them in this one. I I, I agree. I it's weird though. Cause they do have a good offense. Surprisingly, like the offensive line has been playing was, to like a really high level right now. It was good at the beginning of the year. And it's then tailed off since their bye week, it's gotten real bad. Um, but yeah, no, they have been able to protect, you know, J- Jared Goff rather well. Um, but I do think that earlier in the year, I, I said that I thought that the bears would lose both games to the Lions. Like I stood pretty firm by that. Um, but what I've seen from them recently, even with them being the Packers last week, mm-hmm. and what the Bears have done since, I, I, I think all the, the offense went to now. the Bears. Apparently, like they just lost it, and the Bears picked it up. Um, I think that, like, I hate to say this, but like, I think that this will be another potential shootout. Is I I should know this. Is this game in Chicago or is it in Detroit? It's yeah, it's in Chicago. Yeah, so. You know, I think that the Bears will get a little better defense. You know, I this team isn't – Jared Goff isn't good. Like, let's just be honest there. And they don't have elite wide receiver talent. The best part about this team is that offensive line has been playing well. They're running back. They got two good running backs. Um, and, and, you know, I think they might try to play that game where they try to control the time of possession and just run the ball. Um, I just think that the Bears are at a point where they can outpace them. And I think our defense is still better. Well, our defense is statistically much better than theirs, which is insane to think about because you would think the Bears' defense is the worst in the NFL right now with how they've been performing. Um, I think they'll. I think this Bears team will get a couple key stops, and I think you know I, I do think this will be kind of a manhandling game. Uh, I said to you last week I thought we'd win five straight. I think we came pretty close last week. Um, this week, I think that it will be a, a fairly substantial margin. I think it'll be, you know, over a score, vic, uh, level victory. Um, and it's yep. just because I like when things break down, I, I trust Justin Fields so much more than Jared Goff. And this bears run game has been better than the, than the lions run game. That is what they have relied on. And this bears defense is better than the lions defense. So, um, you know, I, I I do think this will be a win for the Bears, but it wouldn't surprise me if going into like the third or fourth, like going into the fourth quarter, if this is still a close game or even if the Bears are trailing. Yeah, I, I, I think that there's certainly an opportunity for it to be close, at least throughout the majority of the game. Um, I do think that even if the Bears have to overcome a deficit at some point, that they will overcome it. Um, they've shown that they can make adjustments at halftime uh, when need be. Uh, I don't think, I don't think they'll go over thirty points again. I think they will really? be able to move the ball, but I, I think that, you know, they might sputter. Like you said, there will be times we'll see the offense sputter. I think that with even as much good things that we've seen from you know Justin Fields inventing, um, scrambling it and being able to cash in that way off scrambles and find the way into the end zone. Um, I do think that just maybe a few things don't quite go the same way, but I do think they get close. Um, I'll, I'll take the Bears 27 um, with the Lions 16. 
Yeah, I'm going to say Bears 33, Lions. Lions 23. I think that the Lions might start to struggle in the red zone because this Bears run defense has gotten better in the red zone. Um, And when when the field gets a little more condensed, they do a better job. So I I think that, you know, 33-23 type of victory. I think Justin Fields, yeah. yes, yes or no on this, Justin Fields, another three, three or more touchdowns on the day. No. Really? No. All right. Two. Uh, I'll take I'll Two. take the three. Including his rushing. I'm not gonna say they're all passing. I'm saying three, three or more. Yeah. I'm going this. for two overall. I think that uh there's also the chance I think he can either get, you know, Two rushing, two passing, or one of each, and uh, that also give me a running back score though too. Yeah, I think that that will um, see. That's that's the thing that might bite on this is I think that he could have equally as good of a day, but not as good as passing numbers because I think that the Bears might opt to use their running backs more than they have in previous weeks against this team, just based on I their. Think they're just going to have the weakness. ability to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just based on their weaknesses. So, um, all right, well, you know. Let's hope they win. Um, I could hey, use a Bears can, win right now. If they can now. do as I predicted and keep them under 20 points, man, that'll be something, actually. Yeah. You know, have the Bears defense keep a team under 20 points. <laughs> I think we'll get a couple picks, and I think that'll help because Jared Goff will put the, yeah. put the ball in harm's way for sure. So if we get a couple turnovers, um, I, I think that that's where – I think that this team is either going to let up scores or ton- turnovers. So um, – it'll be a little tough, but uh, I'm happy that we can hopefully experience another bears win. Uh, we need them. Um, even if we do lose, as long as we lose in a, a decent way. And you know what I'm really hoping for is we see that fields deep ball in action more than we've seen the past couple of weeks, even though he's been so good at it. I mean, I remember his first rookie game against the lions, which they have essentially the same secondary right now. Um, and uh, arguably a worse defense. I mean, they were just fields was absolutely teeing off on those deep balls against them. Uh, even though he had like no touchdowns in the game, he was just, that was one of fields best games as pro. Um, so, all right. Uh, well, yeah, well, you know, here's still a possible bears victory. And, uh, you know, as always, we'll be coming back to you guys next week. Um, definitely has been a, a fun season to, to be honed in on the bears and appreciate, uh, all your support. Yep. Thank you guys again and bear down. Bear down.